It's much easier to destroy than it is to create. On Monday, the great cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris suffered a devastating fire. It erupted at about 6.30 p.m., and within what seemed like minutes, the spire of the great cathedral was in flames and soon toppled to the ground. According to one journalist's account, horror and disbelief spread through Paris and far beyond. Huge crowds united in shock gathered as the consuming flames grew brighter against the darkening skies. Some began to chant hymns, some cried, others just gazed in silence. Tears were flowing down every cheek in France, wrote one politician, even the most manly and even the most secular. It's hard for us to understand what that's like for someone who lives in Paris. Perhaps it was a little like it was when the Twin Towers came down in New York and something that seemed to be so permanent, a symbol of strength and stability, was all of a sudden gone. One Parisian, a 45-year-old man, said it's like losing a member of one's family. For me, there are so many memories tied up in it. It was victimized by this fire during Holy Week, the Catholic Holy Week. But as devastating as that was, the fire in Paris was not the most terrible destruction of this week. Just this morning, a few hours earlier, 200 people were murdered in a coordinated attack in Sri Lanka. The terrorists targeted Catholic churches, where, of course, they are celebrating Easter this morning. It is much easier to destroy than it is to create. In John chapter 2, however, we hear this. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers at their business. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all with the sheep and oxen out of the temple, and he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. You shall not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, what sign have you to show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and will you raise it up in three days? But he spoke of the temple of his body. When, therefore, he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. It is much easier to destroy than it is to create. And all this destruction around us is a prelude to the worst act of violence in the history of humankind, the murder of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the incarnation of love itself, who occupied himself with nothing but teaching people the life-giving truth of God and healing them from their illnesses. And ironically, it was his raising of Lazarus from the dead that created the conditions for the execution of Jesus. It precipitated his crucifixion. 
And we heard a little bit about this in the reading today. We heard about the ferocious flames of jealousy and greed and treachery that erupted into flame within the person of Judas, who betrayed the Lord. The good news, brothers and sisters, is that the resurrection of Lazarus was not only the catalyst for the betrayal and execution of Christ, it is also the strongest and clearest proof of his power and foreshadowing of his victory over death. And so I have three things for us to do today as we think about all the destruction around us. As we approach Holy Week, this time when we commemorate the passion and crucifixion of Christ. Three R's. The first is to remember. Remember that the Lord shows us his glory to strengthen us for the suffering and struggles that are ahead of us. And look at what's happening now in the life of the church. We're remembering the resurrection of Lazarus. His icon is still out there because it is foreshadowing. It is a clear signal that death and destruction do not rule and win the day. Christ will be triumphant. But we still have to go through those dark times, don't we? And so the Lord gives us things like this, like the raising of Lazarus, like going up to Mount Tabor to show himself in all his glory, to strengthen us for the sufferings and struggles ahead. So the first R is to remember that. The second one is a little bit difficult. It is to receive the fires that come to us in our life as gifts in disguise from God. I want to read to you from the writing of a very saintly man, Father Sophroni of Essex. He writes this, Life is full of paradox, like all the gospel teaching. Quote, I have come to send fire on the earth, said Jesus. And what will I if it be already kindled? He goes on to write, All we sons of Adam must go through this heavenly flame that consumes our deathly passions. Otherwise, we shall not see the fire transformed into the light of new life. For it is not light that comes first and then fire. In our fallen state, burning must precede enlightenment. Let us therefore bless the Lord for the consuming action of his love. We do not know altogether, but we do at least know in part that there is no other way for us mortals to become children of the resurrection, children of God, to reign together with Christ, the only begotten Son of God. However painful this recreating might be, however it may distress and lacerate us, the process, agonizing as it is, in the end will be a blessed one. And finally, brothers and sisters, today is a day of victory. We are going to carry the palm branches that have been woven into crosses at the end of the service, and we are going to celebrate and rejoice in the victory of our Lord over sin and death. And victory is part of our faith. It's in the DNA of what we believe. Ours is a victorious faith. But we sometimes forget what real victory is. And so the third R for us today is to reimagine victory. It's not the amount of money you have in your bank account. It's not the kind of car that you drive. It's not the size of your house. It's not the glory and the honor that you have from other people and the respect that you have. 
It's not the satisfaction of seeing your children have all those things. It's none of that. Our victory as Christians is in the mystery of the cross. It's in the mystery of the crucified and risen Lord. The same cross that Constantine put on the armor of his soldiers, the same cross that was on the spire of Notre Dame Cathedral, that is the cross in which is our victory, brothers and sisters. We enter into life through death, Christ's death and our own death. We enter into light through darkness, the darkness that Christ entered into when he died for us and went to hell and came back. And the darkness we experience in our own lives from time to time. And we enter into joy through sorrow and suffering, Christ's suffering and sorrow and our own. And the good news is that Notre Dame still stands. It's scorched, it's battered, and missing its spire, but it stands, and it will be repaired. Serge Schmemann, you might recognize that name because he's the son of Father Alexander Schmemann, is a journalist who lives in Paris, and he wrote this about the fire. As the embers die, any doubts I had that Notre Dame would be healed dissipate. I know now that Emmanuel... The grand dam of the cathedral bells, which has marked so many events great and tragic, it told when the Twin Towers fell on September 11th. I know that this bell will lead the majestic chorus of bells again in celebration, maybe not on this Easter, but soon. In the evening, exactly 24 hours after the fire broke out, more than 100 cathedrals across France tolled their bells in solidarity, their peals echoing across the country unified, only now in determination. In the passage I shared from the Gospel of John, Jesus called himself the temple of God. But there's more for us to reflect on as we deal with the images of devastated churches in Paris and Sri Lanka. Elsewhere, we hear that Christ is not just the temple, but the cornerstone of the temple. And just as the cornerstones of Notre Dame remain, inviting the rebuilding of that great cathedral, Jesus remains our cornerstone that can never be destroyed. And we, brothers and sisters, are also the temple of the living God, individually and together, called to witness to the victory of the crucified and risen one as we prepare to commemorate and enter into the annual memorial of his life-giving passion, death, and resurrection, a victory he won through the cross, and which we hold high today. So in closing, brothers and sisters, Jesus Christos Nika, Jesus Christ conquers. Jesus Christ wins, but he wins through the cross. Amen.